Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. You are listening to the 3CR Spoken Word Program, and I am George O'Hara. On today's show, we have a live recording from the Dan O'Connell Hotel with feature poet Marty Smith. Marty grew up in the remote hill country Pahutoa. Her father made his kids learn to ride bareback, hanging on by their knees, so the whole time she was a track work rider in New Zealand and England, she never fell off. Marty grew up in a time where smoking was communal and companionable and the people she loved floated through a blue haze like mirages. She wanted to touch them back into life again, and she has done so with her amazing book of poetry and collage illustrations called Horse with Hat. So, let's have a listen to Mary. Tinakoto, Tinakoto, Tinakoto Katoa. That's a greeting to you from New Zealand that says hello to everybody. I'd like to thank Libby and Jen and Steve who have done so much to help me have gigs here this week and uh, they've been amazing. Thank you very much. Uh, the poetry scene is brilliant. I'd just like to take the whole lot of you back to New Zealand right now and say, come to New Zealand and be there. You are really good. I'm going to do something a little bit unusual in this set that I've never done before, and um, I'm going to read a little set of horse poems because sitting over there is Alex O'Sullivan, and Alex is an ex-jumps jockey, and uh, my next project is um, investigating the people of the racing industry, and one of the other reasons I came to Australia was to talk to Alex, and uh, so these horse poems are for you, Alex, the whole set. Dad's Horses. Dad's horses darken out the sun. I am at their knees looking up at the load star of the stirrup and my four-story father. I meet him on the road. He puts me up on the saddle while he walks below and I sway on my horse tower with the sky swelling. At three, he lets me hold the reins. A bird bursts out, the horse flies me head first onto the metal road. Out cold, stones in my ears, he carries me home. We have to learn everything bareback. Dad's horses, slippery, ripple like water. We have to hang on with our knees. Get straight back on. Sit up. I copy Dad's model of the upright style. Dad and Kimmy over wire in the hunter class at the Danny Burke show. Hanging still, they jump across the walls of my flats, my houses, to remind me of old-fashioned grace and to rain back. In rain, in wind, 
the hills lean in as he gets smaller, and I kick and kick my pony to keep in sight. He rides on in front. I want to call him back, cry, wait. Um, oh, don't worry about crapping. Save it for the end. <laughs> really. Um, one of the things that I'm doing in my book is um, I'm using the horses to be shadows of the people. So if there's an angry father poem, then there'll be an angry horse poem. So they're like little shadows of what the people are doing. So... Tell the horses not to be angry. At the first sight of Cortez on his stallion, Incas prostrated themselves before these gods, rising dark with ash, blowing smoke, creatures from the great mating of the planets. Dawn horses. Those horses talk to themselves, low and tender as the fat wetness of roses. Out in the loose air, scary things crouch. Leaves lie low, flutter, burst out, fly like black suns over the minds of horses who flatten, who scatter. And then just for the sake of it, I'm just going to put one of my angry dad father poems in there. Um, <laughs> my father had uh, an enormous temper, and I work hard not to do it myself, but occasionally it's delicious to get angry, I have to say. Okay. Reception. TV arrived like a Martian. Dad wrestled it into the lounge, the cigarette burning dangerously while he worked the bastard out. A man had to come from town with his spanners, jiggling, static, black flash. Then something moving in the murk turned into Diver Dan, fumbling with a hose to his helmet, down in the dark in his suit. Our whole school crowded in. 500 million people gathered at TV sets around the world, breathing in time as a man in a clumsy suit felt with his foot for the moon. Dad was fiddling furiously with the aerial. What? What? Now? getting higher and further until the whole dark bush lay between him and reception. Do you read me, Tranquility One? Plenty of us here will remember what it was like to see TV for the first time. No horse has equal tone in all four hooves. That's kind of an amazing idea, but it's true. They, musically, their feet, when they hit the ground, they never have equal tone. A mile here, a mile there. Nodding in the sun, our long reins loose. We move just faster than a man can walk on a metal road. A mile here, a mile there. Idly we see how the rotting goes and the bloated sheep in the slow cold creek, gracefully floating the algae aside. 
We go by Hebe, by Lace Park, Lance Wood, by our family reserve. We have guns and we know how to use them. Bush lawyer, five fingers wave us on along the long mile, either way, crunching stones with metal shoes. A sudden sun, a breeze, lifts the leaves of clematis. It breathes, we breathe its papery flowers. Dad whistles up warbler and bellbird, whose sound around us in huge clear air echo quicksilver, silvery birds. The creek sings along, banks and swirls bubbles deep into milky dark. Oh, eel thoughts slide along our sides. The horses' heads nod and rise and step. So humming, I poke my brother's pony with the end of my stick to make it kick. Creature, I am all saliva and static before the big race. I secretly want to be the horse, the jaw and the strange elemental eye the sun along my long muscles. I will be good, I will be good. I make the glorious mouth. It is a heart blossom red I choose. I leave teeth marks. When the tapes are up, I'm on the steel. I hit my straps, the sun in my lungs. I put my tail up and go. Agnes Day. I carried the lamb in a sack on my horse, the tongue hanging grey and limp. It's buggered, said Dad. Throw it in the creek. The creek leaped, dimpled. Small bubbles whirled. It rumpled where I was looking, the water shadowed half blue-black. Deep just there, with duckweed floating out, the yards behind all noise, the cattle swirling up ears swelled with dust and bellowing. Flies lighted on and off the rails. I took the lamb and kneeled in the pudgy mud, both hands under it, under the water, laid it carefully into the shocked cold. It hardly struggled, there was so little left. Put the bloody thing out of its misery, I heard in my head, as I pushed it under, and the water shuddered. Get the hell out of that, he yelled at my back, you macabre little bastard. It might have been ghoulish, he was good with words. The yards were sweating hot, Dad wiped his hat band, the sack smelling of dry, stiff flax. I wiped my nose, my hand all mud and numb. The birds hummed. In rain and wind, I go out all hours on my lambing beat. He's the shadow of me, always riding beside me. Let it go, he said quietly. I let it go floating. It bobbed and the sun caught the eye, closing. Shush, shush, said the creek.
a little bit long, but I'll do, definitely do that because Jen likes that one too. So this one's for Steve and Jen. Emphysema for Auntie Gwen. Hang on, what do I have to explain to you? Nothing. Gwen wasn't one of those glam smokers who smelled smoke back up her nose and tapped ash with varnished nails. No, she smoked hard, fast and hard. Miff, she used to call Dad. By hell, he could smoke. He could light a cigarette on his horse one-handed in the wind. It looked like Holy Communion the way they smoked. At 17, I lit up in the lounge, he said. It's no good for you. Snapped the lighter like a gentleman. My father's war album shows the brothers, nonchalant, cigarettes dangling as they squint into the sun. One of them was a war hero, more famous for his fling with Ginger Rogers than his medal. My father's shrapnel went in behind his ear and out through his forehead. In a coma, no meat tags, no uniform, and since he couldn't speak, no Kiwi accent, he was sent on the wrong hospital ship to the wrong country, lost in the long carbolic corridors of England in blackout blinds, hardly breathing. Was he unconscious, or was he pulling silence around himself like a skin? He lay for months in the dark, smoking. No wonder he was left for dead on the battlefield, said Uncle Charlie. You couldn't survive a wound like that. Oh, hell no, says Gwen, sucking in smoke off her feet after night duty. Dad, at her dinner table, hatless, taps his ash. Charlie's always on at her. Why should I, she says. He's got all the bloody money. He can go wherever he likes. I'm fairly confined. I'll smoke if I bloody well want to. Scowling, they drag till the ends glow like hell, kept alive by tubes, tap, at the mercy of strangers, tap, better to use a gun and to hell with it. I was, as usual, listening. Mercy was the word I was turning over, sounding so close to, put the bloody thing out of its misery. Shrapnel working its way through his brain all his life. An aneurysm overnight collapsed him like an empty plastic bag. I rode with him in the ambulance, its silent sirens slipping us through the gorge. The doctors were sure we should call him out of his coma. Dad, I shouted into his silence. Dad! and he startled from some sunken place, fingers plucking the sheets. 
Don't, said Gwenny, it's cruel. Little sister fingering her holster. The pistol wrapped in oilcloth in the bottom of the oak chest all these years. The one we're not supposed to know he didn't hand back in. Gwen flicked the light, a yellow-blue flame cut her lungs. He had a hell of a fiery temper. Mm. He could be just as loving and nice as quick-tempered, you know. Yeah, he was always like that. Yeah, she said quietly again on a small sigh. He was lovely with babies. More pork was coming with silent wings. The night he died, we littered her table, glasses, whiskey, ashtrays, chain smoke through the night. The beautiful days have names. Today is Gloria. Gloria, under trees' skin, rich pulp and viscous seams shine like sugar and Tui sings. Emphysema for Auntie Gwen. She's in a rest home and she's going to stay there for a long, long time. If she's lucky, she says, she'll get pneumonia. I know I shouldn't, she says, but I've got very few pleasures left. So there's for the smokers, Steve and Jen. quick word about the poetry scene in Melbourne. The Dan O'Connell Hotel in Carlton has poetry every Saturday from 2pm. Ms Millie's pop-up poetry cafe is on every second Saturday at Next Level Studios in Brunswick from 7pm. Westward in Footscray on every second Sunday starting at 2pm. The Owl and Cat readings on the first Sunday of every month from 4pm. And Passionate Tongues every second Monday at the Brunswick Hotel at 7.30pm. There are a bunch of more readings, some of them with open mics. Also, there are workshops happening, so check out melbournespokenword.com for more info on the scene. So, let's have some more of Marty Smith. I got Alex all the way here on false pretenses. I said I was going to read this poem for her and I completely forgot about it. Alex used to ride all the tough horses and this one's for her. Dracula. Still dark outside, I fight to get the bit in. He pulls me off my feet. Get over you bastard, says Alfie knees him in the guts to make him let his ear out, drags the girth up tight. Dracula savages the air, shakes it up in shockwaves. I'm too scared to admit I'm scared. Alfie throws me up. That blood horse sinks on his hocks, lurches against the wall, rattles the chains like snakes. I snap the clip of my skull cap shut. All right? asks Alfie. He unclicks the chains. The back muscles bunch, 
we let loose this way, that way, in leaps across the yard. Track watches flatten back. Just sit quiet on him, Alfie says. Jig, jig, jig goes the bit as Dracula worries at steel, jolts us towards the open grass, the course proper. We're coming out on wide, wide green. If he gets away on you, says Alfie, don't fight him. When you try and fight, they just pull harder. If you get in trouble, kick him up hard along the straight. Make him think he's had a race. He might ease up once you pass the post. Dracula sinks down like a cat. Little prayers keep leaking out. I put my feet in the irons, cross the reins to get a good hold. Alfie lets the bridle go. That's just a little bit about how absolutely terrifying it is to ride a horse that's stronger and bigger than you are and has meanness in its heart. Um, I'm going to read this one. I've read it already this week, but it's one of my favourites. And um, a couple of little things I should explain at the start. One, we are not Catholics. And uh, two, the the uncle who's mentioned got a, a medal for um, climbing out the side of the plane when it had a hole blown in the side of it in the war and uh, the wing of the plane was on fire and he lay on it and um, put the fire out while petrol was still pouring over him so he got um, really badly burned. So that's the little reference halfway through. Radar. I eat my learning all up except maths. I mash it into my potatoes, paste it under the table. I am eight. I hold all the cards. I will sit there all night. I will never climb down. Dad lets me go to bed. He is 45 and working too hard. He is arguing with the teacher. He is only about five. He has been at it for hours, howling. You are Uncle Charlie. You are the oldest and you can't stand it. You grab him and take off. You say, wherever Garth was, there was trouble. I am four. Dad says he might have to belt me if I don't stop. I say, your pants will fall down. I have all the answers. The weather flashes. Frost crusted on the branches. You are my Uncle Charlie with a hard blue stare. Hello, you say with your joke. Where's my stock whip? I hide in the chook shed. You are my brother. You are the boy. Just as well you like shooting. If I am 16, you must be 12. If I have Dad's 12 bore, you have your own 410. We're down the reserve with scenic birds. Dad teaches us how to give them a lead, like at least a foot if they're going flat out. I sneak so quiet. I am six. I am standing gingerly behind our first pony. Get right and close, he says. Bastards can't kick you so hard if they can't get a swing at you. 
I am 16. You are 17. You are the best rider and you are my sister. You have to put up with me all the time. You can't have everything your own way, my mother says. I am bewildered. You are my grandmother. You live by yourself in the big house. Mum must be 33 if Dad is 47. She is always in the middle. I am the middle child. I carry messages on behalf to my father. He is a very private man. He is the Lone Ranger. He has a silver mare she can turn on a sixpence. He rides the range in shocking weather. I go too. I am afflicted with loyalty all my life. On Black Friday, he lets me ride her. She gets caught in wires. Woo, I yell, woo. She kicks and kicks till she flays off all her skin. I have wood in my throat, some imaginary hand on the small of my back and push. There I go through the woolshed door. Oh my God, you say, oh my God. She doesn't die, no, she keeps her silver scars. The patch on your back can never be touched. You are Gug, you are Edward, my uncle, for courage. I am seven, I stare at your trousers. If I never see the sea again, you say, that'll be too bloody soon for me. If you get another bloody horse book out from the library, Dad says, I'll throw it in the fire. I am 11. He smokes and reads Jeeves or Somerset Morn. I am 25. You were 62. People say, it's far too young. You are my cousin Barbara, you say. He was such a good man. Red hearts in the trees, light glaring in. You are my brother. Winters, you are sick. The rain deliberately falls. Dad brings you a train set. Electric tension, he struggles with instructions. Flashes and smoke. You are eight and I'm twelve. He sees the Jehovah's on the drive. He says... Go and tell them we're Catholics. God swishing in the bushes. You are Barbara. You are only little, and he won't answer. He grins. He is 33. Grandma said I had to give something up for Lent. I couldn't give up smoking, and I couldn't give up swearing, so I bloody well gave up talking. You arrive late. You are over 80, and I don't know you. You are a townie. If you're going to eat it, Grandad says, you learn to kill it. Throat cutting. We girls aren't allowed in the killing shed. Not till it's gutted and hung and the head in the creek. We are to ride away. Right down the road when they dynamite the trees. We don't go far. We get a good view. It hangs in the air like the ashtray and sand we blew up in the house with a mighty cannon. Dad's revolver wrapped in a towel in the second drawer down. We are not allowed. Gug has a revolver and a luger he took from a soldier. 
We use it to shoot birds in the orchard and he doesn't come too. The trees are white with nerves. Uncle Charlie is 87. Who's that girl, he says. I know her. Touching the photo of his sister Gwen. Rain slick on the windows. Vaseline lights winking from the far land. You are Gwen. You are 81 and you sigh. All those beautiful letters he wrote, they just faded away. I kept them long after the only word you could read was Garth. Smoke drifting down from the distant sky. Dad used to run off all the time, take off across the paddocks. You always thought Granny was a big woman, but by hell she could run. Well, unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. So until next time, this is George O'Hara for 3CR's Spoken Word. Thank you.